Good morning. My name is Pastor Scott. I'm one of the pastors here, and I have the privilege this morning of meeting you uh, in uh, reading and learning more about God's scriptures. Welcome to all of you. We are just really excited that you are all here. We've thought about and prayed for you and planned for you for a good long time. And you're here. I I hear there's some little challenges with some travel yet for some folks getting in. Uh, Lord willing, we'll see the rest of your group later today at the beach. God be praised. Andrew, I I hope that everything works out. But um, as we well know, sometimes those stories add to the story when things don't go well. And uh, it's not that I pray that you have a horrible week, uh, but I pray that God shows up in surprising ways in uh, the work that you folks are about, that he um, takes your preconceived notions of how he's going to be at work this week and blows them up in beautiful ways for his glory to do things and introduce you folks to relationships and things that you aren't expecting. We're also so glad that the rest of you are here this morning. This morning we're actually jumping into uh, the second portion of our series on Welcome to the Party from the um, uh, book of Acts in the New Testament. And it's so apropos that we're actually spending time with this particular passage this morning at the end of Acts 2 in light of Project Redlands this week. And um, it reminds us of what it means to be community together. Um, So we're going to dig in in a moment. Before that happens, uh, let's pray that God shows up and uh, moves in our hearts and our lives through his word and its power for us this morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and the power that it has in our lives. We pray, Father, that you speak truth to us this morning, that you can be um, a great encouragement to us this morning and help us understand more deeply how in loving and following you, Lord, um, how living in deep relationship with you uh, that we um, are bound together more deeply in love. There's power, Father, in loving you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength, and then loving each other as you have called us to love each other. Lord, may that truth saturate our hearts this morning. May we be challenged in that this morning. And may we be reminded in the week ahead how we can then live that out for your glory. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' name and God's people said together, All right, if you would turn with me in your Bibles, it's Acts chapter 2, which is going to be about uh, the last quarter of the Bible. If you turn a quarter of the way in from the back, you'll hit the Gospels, and then right after um, the Gospel of John, you'll find the book of Acts. And this is the story of the party of the church beginning. Um, Really, when we look at what the church is and what the church is about, it's this radical new celebration of a a crazy thing that God is doing through his Holy Spirit in the world uh, around the disciples and the followers of Jesus, and he's doing it through them. And this morning, we want to spend time thinking about how his focus on their lives, how he's calling them through the Spirit to focus their lives, brings power. And I, I saw some of that power in my life um, when I was in high school, actually 16. How many of you 16? A couple of you 16 here? Awesome. When I was 16 years old, I got one of those weird phone calls. 
I got it from a guy um, in, uh, we were in, I was in a Christian school, and I didn't really know this guy who, he was a year older than I was in a class uh, ahead of me. I really didn't know him that well, but he lived in the same town that I was in. And I got a call from his dad. And his dad worked for a company that was this big marble and stone company. And they, they made like these huge stones. You know those buildings that have huge like cornerstones or, or when you're doing landscaping and you need specific big rocks, those sorts of things. That's what this company was about, having all that stone and rock and marble and granite and all that sort of stuff. And um, they were in a bind. And here's how um, they needed our help. They had a huge shipment of rock and and marble going out later that day. And in order for them to ship that rock, they needed to get it on the trucks. In order for them to get it on the trucks, it had to be on a stable platform that they could use a forklift, with a special forklift, get it up and get it on the truck so they could ship it out. And in order for them to have a stable platform, they needed pallets. The problem was there was actually a a group of people that made their pallets, but they couldn't make them that day. They couldn't get enough to this company in order for them to ship out this huge order that they had to ship out. So this guy called me and about three other people, and he said, hey, do you want work for the day? And we said, sure. And he said, we need you to come over to this this place where the business is, and we've got some things for you to do. I go over there with three other guys, friends of mine, and he's like, okay, here's what we need. We need all these pallets, but we don't have any materials for you except some brand new boards. We got a whole stack of boards for you, but we have all these broken pallets, and they are now yours. So these broken pallets are yours. There's about 250 of them or something like that, maybe 300. And if you can take those broken pallets and repair them with these new boards, we will buy them from you for $5 a pallet. Okay? You understand? We, if we repair these pallets, we, they buy them back for $5 a pallet. He said, here's the problem. You've got three hours. That's all we have. If you can repair as many, as many as you can repair, we'll buy them from you for five bucks. Me and three guys, we've got a compressor with a um, nail gun. We've got some crowbars to rip off old bores. We got stuff that we need. So we're like, okay, we want to do this? Yeah, let's do it. So the four of us together began to work. And it didn't take long for us to figure out a really good system because we started to do the math in our heads. And if you start to do the math in your head, you're going to find out really quick that if you're really quick at repairing these pallets, you can make a boatload of money in three hours. And that's exactly what happened. After about three hours, all of a sudden this guy comes over to us and he says, okay, you guys are done. We don't have any more time. We've got to start loading stuff onto these pallets. How many have you got for us? And we were like, we've got 300. (laughs) You do the math, 300 times $5, 1,500 bucks, four kids, three hours. I don't remember how all the math worked because there were some other things that went on involved 
in the whole thing, but I do remember this. I know I ended up with a check for $569 after three hours of work. And I can honestly say to this day, I have never made that much money an hour in my life. (laughs) 16 years old and I was at the pinnacle of my success. It's all been downhill from there. But the reason that it became so successful for me and my three friends is that we had focus. There was nothing else. Pretty girls could have walked by and we would have been like, "Uh uh-uh, no, look, $5 a pallet. We're focused here. Anything else could have gone on. Focus, because we knew we had three hours and we could do really well because we did the math. When you are focused on something, incredible things can happen. And in the book of Acts, chapter 2, we see what happens when God's people have that sort of laser focus. If you would read with me, we're going to begin chapter 2, verse 42. And it begins this way. They devoted themselves, this is the early church, the body of believers, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So really, there's four tasks that God's people right at the very beginning are focused on, and those, two, those four tasks actually s- separate into two specific things. The first thing is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, so they were learning more deeply about who God was, more specifically who Jesus Christ was, because the apostles were witnesses to who Jesus was. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, and to fellowship, so they were, in, they were hanging out together. Not only were they hanging out together, but they were eating together. They were spending time around the table. And as all of you know, when you spend time around the table, there's power in that conversation. There's power in sharing the story of your lives over food. So there was, first of all, the uh, devoted to apostles' teaching, learning how to love God more. The second two, they were devoted to fellowship and to breaking bread together. That's learning how to love each other more. And then the fourth one is actually going back to the first and to prayer. Learning more deeply how to love God. They were actually focused here through these four things on the two greatest commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And they were doing it with a level of laser focus that had power. Because they were doing it together. Keep reading with me. Verse 43 says this. It says, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the pots. Actually, in in another reading of scripture, and this is important here. Everyone was filled with awe and This reading says, at the many wonders, but it's not necessarily the case. It would say this, everyone was filled with awe, and many signs and wonders were performed by the apostles. There's some conjecture whether or not the signs and wonders were connected to the awe, meaning they were in awe of the signs and wonders. Here's why that's important. Because I actually don't believe they were in awe because of the signs and wonders. I don't believe that. And other readings of scriptures in your Bibles may actually have those two separated because I believe they were in awe 
of what God was doing bringing all these people together. Remember who's in the room at this time. What did we have last week? We had the festival of, do you remember? The festival of weeks, right? So that was Pentecost. And two things happened. They declared the signs and wonders of the glory of God and they proclaimed that to everyone. That was the two lessons from last week. So all these people had come to gather for Pentecost and the festival of weeks. And now these same people who had gathered for the, for the festival of weeks were beginning to gather together to fellowship and prayer and breaking to bed. Bread. Remember who all those people are. Peoples are. Really quickly, if you want to jump back, chapter 2, verse 8 says this, Then each of them heard, hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia. Folks, this is like the world coming together and getting along. Do you see why that's a big deal? Think about our world. All you have to do is get Palestinians and Israelis in the same room and you question whether or not everyone can get along. You add another 10, 15 people groups to this and wonder how it happened. All of these sorts of people were together because that's what the power of a laser focus of loving God and loving your neighbor as yourself does. It means that you step beyond some of those divisions. That's the sort of power that the church has. And frankly, friends, hear me here. There's no other power like it in the world. If you're wondering whether or not that's true, let me give you a couple examples. I'm going to get myself in trouble with a couple here, but a couple people here, but I don't care because I think it's appropriate. James Verhoeven, stand up. (laughs) Richard Smith, stand up. Dan Schenkel, stand up. Okay, these are three very dear friends of mine. I will say this, politically, there is a difference. There's actually a reason why Dan and Richard are separated. (laughs) And it's also a good reason why James is in the middle. But I'll tell you this, even though there is radical differences, these men love each other dearly. They love each other sacrificially. I've been there when they have loved each other. And that doesn't happen often in the world. Thank you, friends. Miss Colleen and Harold, stand up. We have a white man with white hair. (laughs) And Colleen does not have white hair. And not only are they sitting beside each other, but I guarantee you they already gave you a huggy to each other this morning. Because these folks love, there you go. These folks love each other. That's what the church does. That's what the church does. It brings people together who the world says can't figure it out. The world says don't belong. Savannah Cesario, would you stand? See this young lady? There's often times in this world where she is separated and considered different. You know what? Here, she's Savannah. She's loved. And she's embraced as one of us. 
Because that's what the church does. That's the power that's happening here when we love God and love our neighbor as ourselves. Thank you so much, Savannah. And the two Fernandez kids who are leading worship, would you stand? Where are they? Did they take off? You guys stand up. Ted Gostra, would you stand? Take some work. <laughs> there is an old guy back there. And he says it to me every time. He's an old guy. He's taking up the rear. He's got to take his time. But I can tell you this, that he was blessed by what these two kids did this morning while they were standing up here and leading worship. And these kids are that blessing to this old man that they probably have never talked to Ted, but I guarantee you there is a level of love that God has created because that's what the church does. It takes people in very different sides. Thank you. You may sit. Takes people in very different walks of life, very different spaces. And doggone it, it's hard to figure it out sometimes, isn't it? We don't know how to do this. One of the other big differences that I could name is this. There's a guy sitting right here, Pastor Nick, who has been a part of ministry here. He and I are very different people. Believe you me. Very different. We see the world differently. We see the church differently. We see faith oftentimes very differently. But I'll tell you this. I know he's my brother. I know he prays for me. I know he's got my back. And the same goes for him. He's a millennial, which means he's a whack job. I'm Gen X. I'm solid. But we still love each other. Because that's what the church does. And when the world is able to see that in us, friends... What do they do? I'll tell you what they do. They were filled with awe. The many wonders and signs that they saw. These are the wonders and signs, friends. The different political edges of the spectrum. The racial support and, and acceptance. The generational embracing. The embracing of all, no matter who they are or what their situation is. That's what the church offers because we have what happened in Acts 2, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit among us that has power in this world, in this life, in this place to change the world around us. When we have that focus on loving God with all we got and loving our neighbor as herself, that power comes, it comes raw, and it comes beautiful and it changes the world around us. Let's continue. Verse 44 and verse 45. It says this there. All the believers were together. And they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, you see very clearly there that selfishness was not a mark of the early church. Everyone, that is one of those absolutes, right? It says everyone. It means that everyone in the room, everyone who is a part of the community, whether you had a lot to give, if you had a million dollars to give, then you realized it was mine to give and I would give it. If you had $10 to give, you gave it because it was yours to give and you were a part of blessing the people around you. And that was motivated by what? Holy Spirit, of course, yes. Yes. 
But I want to say this, it's actually motivated even more deeply by something that comes just before that. When it said in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread. Those two things that were moving them towards loving their neighbor as their self, those were the things that were motivating them to generosity. Because here's what happens when you sit down and eat a meal with somebody. You get to know them. You find out their story. You understand a little bit who they are. That's actually one of the great powers that you folks have in the week ahead. You're going to eat a lot together. Later on today, you're going to get a little glimpse of heaven because God is going to bless you with In-N-Out Burger, okay? God is going to show you himself in powerful ways today. And as that happens, and you eat that blessed food, do it looking around at the table at who you're sharing it with. And I mean that. Because there's people, maybe you know each other really well. How many of you feel like you know everybody in the group and you know them way too well? Maybe not. Okay, good. You're like, I'm done with these people. I'm trying to get away from them all. There's people here that you don't know well. That can change this week. Excuse me. There's people here that God is calling you to get to know better. And I guarantee you, there's some crazy people from the river I know them, I've met them, I'm actually related to one of them who will be working with you this week. Sit down at the table, get to know her. Cameron, she's a good kid. And as you do that, your heart is going to change for her. Your heart is going to change for each other. When we do that together, friends, it's one of the reasons why we want you to be a part of Legacy Nights. Why? Because you sit and you eat food with people who are very different from you and walk in a different part of life together. So that when the person who I ate with last Wednesday says on Sunday or the next week or the next month or the next year, you know, there's something going on. I have a need and I can fill it. Of course I want to. Why? Because I know their story. Friends, for us, and I'm, 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 I'm going to indict some people and make you uncomfortable here this morning, but I really need to call you out on this. For you to simply say that being a part of the river is to come to church on Sunday and then go home, even if you give of all your tithes and offerings and do all that stuff, that don't cut it. Because there is a much bigger work that we have to be a part of, and that is fellowshipping with one another, breaking bread together, loving each other, knowing each other's stories, because when the time comes for us to know another's need, we know their story. We know who they are. We've walked at least a couple steps in their shoes. They've walked in ours. And in that learning and growing together, there is power that moves us to generosity. I am very much inclined to be generous with people that I know their story. Yeah, I'll be generous with others, but not in the same way. Because there's power in knowing the story of each other. There's a beauty there. That's where this generosity comes from. It doesn't just come from simply the Holy Spirit's movement of saying magically, you're generous. It comes from the Holy Spirit's movement of calling people to sit together, be in relationship with one another, break bread together, hear each other's stories. And when that happens, the power of generosity comes. So don't isolate yourself. Frankly, don't take off into the parking lot afterwards. I implore you. Go down to the fellowship hall. 
Hang out with some people. Find out a new story. Learn from somebody new. Because the Holy Spirit's power in that moment can more deeply engage you in generosity in the days, in the weeks, and in the months to come. The more we know the story together, when the need comes, we want to help. There's a guy, um, and I am emotional about this, because he impacted my life in some deep ways. Anthony Bourdain committed suicide this week. It's a horrible story. As far as I know, Anthony Bourdain was not a believer. He was a, a travel channel, or sorry, CNN and travel channel correspondent for a number of years. He did this whole thing where he would travel to a place, a different country, and he would talk about the food of that place in that country. And if you've ever watched either um, No Reservations, which is his travel channel show, or um, uh, what's the other one? Someone knows it. Parts Unknown, which is on CNN. If you watch those shows, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find him entering into very difficult situations, very difficult conversations. He goes to Palestine and meets with Jews and Arabs. He goes to parts of the world that are in massive conflict. He sits at the table with people who are uber conservative and people who are uber liberal. He sits at the table with all different walks of life in all different contexts. And he eats food and he listens to their story. And sadly, he is no longer with us. Because he provided an example for me of how to more deeply love the person that I'm sitting with, that I want to learn from, that I want to grow from. Because he not only asked questions, you know what he did, which was really amazing? He listened to the answer. He listened to the answer. Now, I differ with him on so many things, but he taught me well what it means to listen to the answer because in listening to the answer with those people that I'm sitting at the table with, that I'm in relationship with, we are breaking that bread that fellowships us together with each other and with the Holy Spirit. And in that, we know each other's story and the generosity of love, certainly, and in other circumstances, service and finance and all the other things can come. We need to learn to do that better. We need to grow in that, friends. Because that's where we tap more deeply in the power of the Holy Spirit that marked the early church and can continue to mark us. Let's close the passage by reading verses 46 and 47. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, the power of God when the people come together to love him, to love him all with all that they have, and then to love each other with all that they have, and that's their focus. They were doing those four things and living into the two commands. That focus, it had power, power so much that many were added to their number that day. Why? Because being known and being loved and being part of something bigger than yourself is so attractive to the world around us. People are desperate for it. 
I was you know, part of a conversation even yesterday and we were talking about the next generation. Did you know that in this generation right here, all you, I'm talking about you folks, do you know friends, and some of you are worried, you think you know, everything's going bad, guess what, it's not, because these kids are around and they're doing some great things. The level of drug use and alcohol experimentation is down dramatically in this generation, God be praised. The level of engagement with things and issues like pornography and gambling, is down considerably in this generation, God be praised. The amount of sex that these kids are having, I'm looking at you guys, is down dramatically in your generation. God be praised. God be praised. That's great. Level of abortion is down in this generation. You know what's up? Anxiety. Stress. These kids are more stressed out than any generation before them. They are more anxious about life. They are under more pressure than any generation before them. Friends, um, you know what fights against some of those things? Love. Acceptance. Care. Listening. Asking good questions and actually listening to the answer. Now, all generations have their own marks and all generations have their own needs. I'm just talking about this generation because they're here today. Friends, that's what we as the church have to offer this generation. We can be one who care for them in their stressors. We can be one who can help them walk through the anxiety of... You're, someone's gonna, so what do you want to do with the rest of your life? There's going to be seniors here that someone asks the question, what school you're going to? And there's some of them who have no answer to that and it freaks them out. The question comes, how do we help this group, this generation, this, these kids that we love so dearly that are a part of us walk through the challenges of life together? You know how we do it? We be the church. We love God with all that we are. And we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. In this week ahead, friends from Project Redlands, I want to encourage you to do this. I know Pastor Nick already challenged you last night into living into how God has designed you to be. God has designed you to be a child of God. He gave you permission last night to be that child. You know, I can be that child that, this coming week can love him and your worship's going to be great pastor nick's going to give you some wonderful challenging messages there's going to be opportunities for share you sharing god's sightings this week all that sort of stuff that's great and then you can love each other fiercely you can love each other fiercely there are kids here who are lonely there are kids here who are depressed. You're going to meet people out there as you serve them who are lonely and who are depressed and who are discouraged and who are wondering why in the world someone like you would show up in their life. And you can simply sit down with them, grab a piece of bread, break it, and say, here, let's sit. I want to ask you some questions about your life, and I want to tell you a little bit about mine. And when they tell you a story, you can really, really listen and in doing that, you know what you're going to do? You're going to tap into the power of the body of Christ and the church and the Holy Spirit. And this week is going to become something more than just coming out to California to get in and out and go to the beach. It's going to be an opportunity for you to learn much more deeply about what a child of God is 
and then how you be that child with the family around you. To that end, let's pray. Thank you, Father, for the power of loving you and loving our neighbor as ourself with laser focus that you show us here in Acts 2. And Lord, as we lose the distractions that so many of us simply need to lose, that we need to turn off our, our smartphones, disengage maybe from social media, stop doing some of the things that we are a part of, not because they're bad, but because they, they, they're a distraction away from loving you and loving each other. Lord, equip us to that end. I pray for these folks at Project Redlands this week. Equip them to that end, that they might truly live deeply into what it means to be a child of God. They may be your love to each other and to the people that they serve in our city and in our community. That, Lord, there can be that power that, Lord, perhaps it's, it's, it is a number. Maybe many can be added to the number of your people this week. If that be your will, Lord, we praise you for it and we ask that you do it. Lord, if it's instead a change and transformation in us, change in our hearts, that we can see the world around us very differently than we did before, that we know the stories in a different way of the people's lives around us, that we love them more deeply, care for them more, are more generous with our grace, with our encouragement for them. Lord, make that shift in us too. I pray, Lord, that as we go out from this place, we can truly acknowledge that the church is a, an incredible place that unites a group of people who have no reason being in the same room, same part of the conversation, have no reason being together, but you do your miracle of bringing us together because, Lord, in that group there is power and you take glory. Lord, we pray that you do that in each one of us this week, that the the body might grow and that our love for you might grow and our love for each other might grow. We pray these things in Christ. Amen.